0: ...to this place on the Pease River, looking for stolen horses, just horses. Kane looked up. The scattered fires of the ranger camp burned bright and hot on buffalo chips, holding off the cold night and empty prairie. A few men still talked around the fires. All in all, they had had a lot to be satisfied about. That day on the Pease, they found the Quahadi Comanche winter camp and destroyed it, without casualties to themselves. They recovered seventy-three head of Texas horses and the lost child, Sarai Stone. Yet Kane was not satisfied. "'Get some sleep, Cain. Leave things sifted out till morning,' Logan said and shifted in his blankets. "'That burn, it's cold!' Sarai watched the men leave the fires and curl themselves in sleep, one by one. The one who watched her did not sleep. She knew this man and his companion, healer and quick-to-see, the Indians called them. She had known of them for many years.' The word of their search passed among the bands, but she believed they had given up after Noba refused to sell her, and she refused to return with them. It bothered her that they were here at this place. It was as if their persistence had given her to them at last. As a child, Sarai believed her grandfather would come for her. She rode every morning and evening to a place beyond the camp where she could look toward the Texas horizon from which he would come. The Indians gave her a name for this, Seeker. In time, Seeker rode out morning and evening with a different purpose. She rode to be sure that no one was coming. She heard of Hugh Kane and Jacob Logan. She dreaded their coming, but she knew they would come. Perhaps it was not yet over. An Indian woman knew that sooner or later her adversary would sleep and her chance would come. And there were many miles between here and where they would try to take her. Perhaps Noba yet lived and would come for her. She let herself sleep lightly as she waited and the dream came. The dream of a clock ticking, of a warm place full of love and safety, of hunger for that place. It was not an Indian place, but white, a cabin or house. It was a secure place. The dream always ended in the same way. She always awoke shivering from a cold too deep to be warmed even by a summer night. Freezing, she knew she was trapped, held by the people's way. The dream made her long to have her husband and children about her high on the plains, where game and grass and water were plentiful, far away from the white settlements, alone with the distant mountains and valleys, beside the cold, clear streams. The dream was to live in a different way, not the Comanche way she knew. The dream solved nothing, but made her discontent with what she had accepted and loved most. When she was awake again, the dream also made her remember things she had forgotten— wanted to forget, foolish things like a red hen in a straw nest, or the smell of yeast bread, or the little etched pictures in a book. For a long time, she did not mention what she dreamed or what she saw. Finally, she spoke to Elima of the dream and the discontent it brought, and her Indian mother listened silently, looking at the prairie beyond the rolled-up teepee bottom. It is another world that talks to you, Elima said. Your white blood calls out to you, I have taken another road, Sarai said. Why does it talk to me now when I am happy with my husband and children? So that you will know its voice when the time comes, answered Alima. It is often so. Perhaps the voice has much to say to you. I do not want to hear what it says. I want to be as I was, happy, Sarai said. You cannot be as you were. You are different. But I have raised you. And you have had a good heart to learn. I believe you are Nimanaw enough to accept your road and to remember the people," Alima said. The door to Lou Wynne's house popped open before Captain Joe Martin and Hugh Kane. "Hello, Lou," said Martin. "We brought you something." Lou Wynne worked clearing the supper table across the room. She laid down her dish rag and straightened up as Kane drew the woman Sarai into the room. "'New Yer and W.'s door was always open, Lou, to the unfortunate and battle-weary. What with Cain keeping his little office here, Belknap was the natural place to come,' Martin continued. Lou Wynn still stood, but closed her mouth resolutely. Martin went on, as he generally did with women, without allowing her to say anything. "'Had us a little scrap up north and got her and her baby back from the Comanche. Some say she's Sarai Stone, from Stone's Crossin' twenty-five years ago.' The thick heat of the room hit Sarai. She felt dizzy and light headed, but Kane had her arm.